0: Converge Church. How's everybody doing today? Hallelujah! Y'all stand up and let's worship him. Father God, you are good. You are greatly to be praised. And we love you for what you're going to do in this place today. And we lift up our hands. We lift up our voice. And we worship you with hearts abandoned, hands lifted high. over this building and online and Father God we're in expectancy we came looking for you Father God we came searching and we're here to meet with the King of Kings with the Lord of Lords with the Prince of Peace with you Father God and we thank you that you are in this place and our God's people say amen and amen and amen. Man, God is good, right? Yeah. He is. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Put those put hands together like this, check. Yeah. And we will shout it out. Come on, lift up a victory praise. Come on. Jesus is victorious today in this place. Come on. Man, when we start praising him, the atmosphere shifts. Man, God is good. And as my grandma used to say and all the time, God is good. Man. Y'all came to have some church today. No matter what our week looks like, God is still in control. He's still the same Father that called us out of the darkness. The same Father that sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Man, what a message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only, His only Son. Man, if we could just grasp that. And he gave his only son for us. And that's the foundation that we stand today on. And that's why we're about to sing this song. When everything around me is shaken. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand With everything around me shaking. I've never been more glad, So I put my faith in Jesus That's right Cause He's never let me down He's faithful to generation uh-huh. so why would he fail now, he won't. Come on, you believe that today? I said Christ is my friend If it's not, after you build it, it's going to fall. And that's why Jesus Christ is our firm foundation. Because rain came when blue. My house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm going to make it through. Come on, declare that today. Rain.
1: being a firm foundation the rock on which we stand and when the rains came and when the winds blew God we were standing firm upon you Lord we thank you for being the solid rock and even as the psalmist declared that when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I so father we thank you for being faithful Through every generation why would you fail now and so father that is the posture of our hearts that's the confidence that we have in you tonight that you are our firm foundation and you will not fail because you cannot fail we thank you for it now father in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen listen It's one of our traditions here at Converge Church that the first weekend of every month we get to celebrate communion together. We get to celebrate the Lord's table. In fact, Jesus said it this way, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And if the ushers would bring me some elements, um, we get to do this. And as we do this, it's an opportunity uh, to bring our hearts, thank you Koketsu, and our minds once again into alignment with the finished work of the cross what jesus did for us 2000 years ago in fact we're only a few days away from resurrection sunday when we get to celebrate the most pivotal moment in human history when the son of god was not only crucified but on the third day he rose so that you and i can live again and this easter we get to celebrate the hope that we have in jesus but tonight As we prepare our hearts in this Lenten season, in the final days of Lent, we have this awesome privilege to celebrate communion together. The Bible declares that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, "'This is my body, which is broken for you, "'and as often as you eat this, "'you do this in remembrance of me.'" Father, we thank you that you loved us so much That you demonstrated your love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to go all the way. You held nothing back. So we thank you for your broken body, broken for us, that we might live and have communion with the Father. We receive these elements as blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service. In Jesus' name and everyone said Amen and amen. Take now and eat. Thank you, Lord. And the scripture continues with these words that on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he also took the cup and said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And as often as you drink of this cup, you do so in remembrance of me. Lord, right now, in this moment, we're reminded not only of your broken body, but we're reminded of your shed blood. That blood that will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. We thank you for the efficacy of the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness so we can stand before you without hesitation or reservation or condemnation And we thank you, God, for your word in 1 John that declares that if our hearts don't condemn us, we can have confidence toward God. So, Lord, tonight, because of the blood, our hearts no longer condemn us. And right now, we have confidence toward you. Not because of anything we've done, not because of how good we've been, but because of what you did because of the blood. We ask you now to bless this emblem of your shed blood. We receive it now as we receive forgiveness of sin and your mercies that are new every morning, even this moment. Take now and drink together. Right where you are, just in your own way, just begin to give thanks for the blood for His mercies that are new every morning, for His steadfast love that never ceases, His glory upon Your life going before You, following after You. Lord, we thank You again. We thank You again for Your great love wherewith You've loved us. And Lord, as we continue in this attitude and atmosphere of worship, be glorified in what we say in what we sing and in what we do. May it be for an audience of one and an audience of one alone. You get the glory, you get the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Let's worship together.
0: God, you are amazing. So good. Mm. Oh, so good to me. I've carried a burden. Too long on my own I wasn't created To bear it alone I hear your invitation To let it all go I see it now I'm laying it down and I know that I need you I run to the Father, I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait My heart needs a searching, my soul needs a friend So I run to the Father again and again condition had a plan from the start, mm, your son for redemption, the prize for my heart, and I don't have a contest. For that kind of love I don't understand And I can't comprehend All I know is I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend, and so I ran to the Father. My soul needs a friend, and so I run to the Father again and again, again. I run to the Father, I'm falling. Come on, lift Pray. that up, church. I'm done with the No reason to wait, no, no reason, reason to, wait. to wait. My heart found a friend, my soul, my soul found a friend. So, guess what? I run to Said again and again and again At the foot of the cross Again and again and again That's where I will be I will be at the foot of the cross I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon And my soul needs a friend So I'll run to the Father again and again and again. Father God, that's our prayer. That is a continue, continuous pursuit after you. Sanctification is a process. Father God, we know that this life is gonna throw us different curves and we might miss it once or twice but Father God consistency Father God, running after you communion with you Father not just here but in our secret house, in our secret places Father God again and again and again And again. Oh, can we sing that one more time? So I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding,
2: no reason
0: to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Again and again oh, oh, oh That's a beautiful thing. God is good.
2: Hey Amen. Is anybody else just undone? By God and His goodness and His graciousness. All right, thank you guys. Thank you, Converge Worship. Well, thank you, yes. Welcome to Converge Live, our in person worship experience. It is always a blessing to see each of you here with us today. We also want to welcome Converge Nation. Thank you for joining us each week via rebroadcast. I love you, virtual family. We appreciate your support. And if there's anybody here with us for the first time, we say thank you, hello, and welcome to you as well. We appreciate any time someone new chooses to join us. So if you're here with us for the first time to celebrate, we do ask that you would connect with us at the Welcome Center. At the end of the worship experience, we have a gift for you. And even if you're connecting with us for uh, online for the first time, let us know. We want to just, again, thank you for joining us. We have a small gift. It's a token of appreciation. All right? So, Converge family, we have some very special news that we want to share with you, and the best way to stay informed on everything that God is doing in and through Converge is to connect with us on our various social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WeAreConverge. But we are excited to share with you that Converge Church is now on TikTok. Thank you. Yes, we are on TikTok. So we want you to find us. If you have a TikTok account, head on over there. If you don't, create one and head on over there and connect with us. You can find us on TikTok at Converge Church. It's a bit different than our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube social media handles. So again, you can find us on TikTok at Converge Church. We are excited to be able to have another avenue to meet people right where they are and for us to connect. So meet us over on TikTok. You won't be disappointed. Amen. But more exciting news. We are extremely, extremely, extremely excited to announce to everyone that Converge Live is moving to Sunday mornings. I need a bit of a drum roll. Converge Live is moving to Sunday mornings. Yes, beginning Easter Sunday, April 17th, Converge Church will be meeting in person at 10 a.m right here in our current location, 1611 Wilmoth Road in McKinney, Texas. Yes, what better way, you guys, to celebrate this special day than for us to gather corporately in worship to honor our Savior, to honor His sacrifice and finished work on the cross, and to celebrate His triumphant resurrection. This promises to be a wonderful worship experience, so we've got lots of exciting things planned for the entire family. You do not want to miss this. Join us here in person Sunday, April 17th. Make plans now to attend. Save the date. But. Those of you at Converge Nation, Converge Online, we have not forgotten about you. We are diligently working behind the scenes to make plans to try to live stream, not rebroadcast, live stream Sunday services at 10 a.m. So stay tuned. More details are to come. Amen. Amen. So. As we move into our blessed life segment of the worship experience, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, I am so glad to see that our family is excited about giving. This is our opportunity to help move forward the vision and the mission that God has given us here at Converge, and we do that in our giving. Now, tithes and offerings, you all, are biblical principles. The tithe, the 10%, that's just our baseline as Christ followers. The New Testament model in Acts chapter two tells us that the early believers had all things in common. And basically what that means is they shared everything they had. So again, tithe, 10%, that's our baseline. As Christ followers, our apex, our pinnacle, the upper po- uppermost point that we aspire to get to is to share everything that we have. Guys, we are corporately believing God for some big things. (laughs) And in Ephesians 3 and 20, he says, God says that he is able to do through the mighty power at work within us infinitely more than we can ask or even begin to think about. And a part of that is your generosity. So we are asking that you take this journey In living out the values that we have here at Converge, one of which is to live generously with an open hand, not a clenched fist. If you would like to partner with us financially, we have multiple ways that you can do it. We do have ushers in the aisles with envelopes and ink pens if you need one. We just ask that you would fill out all that information in its entirety so that we can properly record and account for your giving. You can also give online safely and securely by visiting us at wwwwearconvergedcom forward slash give. You can give via our mobile app. You just search the iOS or the Android app stores to find and download Converge Church Plano, and then you can give via text by texting Converge Give along with a dollar amount to 77977. Converge Church, we appreciate you. We appreciate your financial support and partnership. We appreciate everything that you have done to help build this kingdom here that God has given us to build his kingdom right here at Converge Church and everything that you do to make life-giving ministry happen let's say a quick word of prayer, the ushers will pass the receptacles for those of you that want to give here in person. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a great big God. We thank you that you are big enough for everything that we are believing you for, Father. We thank you that you have already done everything that we are believing you for. But we thank you also, God, for those who partner with us to help us move forward the vision and mission that you've given us. Thank you for every person that has given, every family that has given, every heart that desires to give, everyone that has sown into your kingdom we appreciate it and we thank you for it we will be found good stewards of everything father we love you we appreciate you we magnify you we entrust it all to you in jesus name we pray amen thank you again for your attention enjoy the rest of the worship experience
1: little groove. Give me some little groove. Give me a little groove. There, there you go. There you go. All righty. There you go. There it is right there. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for Converge Live. Come on, show your love for Converge worship, man. These guys brought the heat. They brought the stank. Come on. That's what I call it. Y'all sound fantastic. So grateful. So thankful for all the amazing serve teams that make life-giving ministry possible here at Converge Church. Alrighty. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Going to dive into the sermon now. I I wanted to hear how awesome you guys are. Amen. Listen, we start a brand new sermon series today that we're calling person of interest i'm super excited about this but before we dive into the message i just want to show honor to whom honor is due i want to acknowledge some very special people with us and we have some very special birthdays birthdays this month and the reason i want to acknowledge these people is because they serve faithfully diligently behind the scenes right uh so they're part of that 20 percent uh, that make the 80% possible uh, and, uh, and so they're not always recognized because they're not out front but we want to acknowledge the amazing work that they do on our serve team so we've got one birthday actually today everybody show your love for Rob Meister Rob is in the house he's somewhere in the building uh, so happy happy birthday from our hearts to yours Uh, And we appreciate you and your heart, your generosity, your kindness, and just your faithfulness uh, to the work of God and this local church. I also wanted to take a moment to acknowledge uh, some very special people who have made serving in the house of God a family affair. In fact, I think of them as the Incredibles. And so, uh, uh, Jewel, why don't you come with the girls? Why don't y'all come down? Come on down, come on down. They're not expecting this, but they are serving. They are serving on our media team, and they have been absolutely amazing, working and serving behind the scenes. Let's show our love for Jewel and Ashley and Alicia. Yeah, why don't you come up? Why don't you come up? I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. How about that? And grab that mic while you're on the way up. Right. Okay. Awesome. Oh I am gosh. totally going off script tonight. Is that all right? Amen. 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 You, okay. So I wanted Jewel and the girls to come up and uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I already said your names, but why don't you take a moment and introduce yourselves?
2: Um, um, I'm Alicia Georges. I work on the media team with my mom and my sister. Um, I'm Ashley. And yeah, Ashley Georges.
1: Now you guys have a very, very big day coming up tomorrow. Is that right? All right, tell us what it is. I don't want to steal your thunder.
0: Um, it her sweet 16. Uh, yeah, that's,
1: I don't know, that's really it. All right, <laughs> yeah, it I is their sweet 16. They turn 16 tomorrow. They are twins, and so tomorrow is that big milestone birthday, and what, you wanted to say something? No, I
0: was congratulating her for turning
1: 16. You are congratulating her for turning 16. That's oh. awesome. Come on, that's sisterhood. Uh, Jewel, I also wanted to take this moment to acknowledge you and the girls because of what you guys do behind the scenes. Uh, You guys don't know this, uh, but Jewel and the girls more than once have gone above and beyond the call of duty. I know it sounds cliche, uh, but what you guys have done and what you continue to do in service to this house and to the Lord has not gone unnoticed. From the bottom of our hearts, uh, man, we want to say thank you for your generosity of spirit, your kindness, and your willingness to put your hand to the plow and not look back. Uh, when so many people have reasons not to be in the house of God just because we've developed new routines, right, around COVID-19 where it's easier to stay home and and watch online than to connect in community in person. Listen, Jewel and her girls have more than once, listen to me, altered Their vacation plans, their travel plans, have cut their travel plans short just to be back and serve. In fact, uh, during our huddle, and this blessed me, I mean, it blessed me beyond words. Uh, When I announced a couple of weeks ago that we were gonna be transitioning to Sunday mornings, immediately after our pre-service huddle, Jewel made a beeline to me with her, I don't know if it was your phone or your planner. It was her planner. Come on, somebody. Anybody remember them day planner? What do you call a day timer? Come on. I know some of y'all still got some Rolodexes at the crib. But she made a beeline to me. Come on. Come on, Blackberry. How many of y'all had that Blackberry back in the day? I had me a Blackberry pearl. You remember the Blackberry with the little pearl in the middle? That was the dial. Y'all know what time it is. Listen, she made a beeline to me with her planner and said, Pastor Ray, because she's an entrepreneur. Listen, single mom of two amazing girls, entrepreneur, boss chick, (laughs) CEO of her own empire. Come on, somebody. But still, she doesn't just make time to be in the house of God, she prioritizes her time in the house of God. Now, if there was anybody who had reasons to say, I'm too busy, I've got my girls, I've got my business, it would be Jewel, and it would be justified. But every single Sunday, every single weekend, uh, Jewel and the girls are in the house of God. Have adjusted their travel plans to be in the house of God. And what most of you don't know is, and I don't want to, I don't want to. I hope I remember this correctly. Uh, but one of the reasons you transitioned from New York
0: was this place.
1: She moved from New York to Texas because of a moment she had with God at Converge Church. Listen to me. We don't always tell the stories and I'm guilty as charged. We need to tell more of the stories of transformation that have happened here at Converge. But Jewel moved her family, moved her girls, moved her business halfway across the country because of a church. And she has continued, not only to attend, but to give back to this local house of believers uh, through her gift, her time, her talent, and her treasure. So here it is, here it is. Uh, we heard through a little bird that you guys had a couple of things you wanted to do for your birthday. And, uh, and uh, so we wanted to, to, to do that for you guys. I understand that on your dinner list, or at least you guys have this sophisticated palette, where somewhere in there, you guys have been planning some Korean barbecue. Oh, wow, yeah. And so we've got your dinner covered. We're Uh gonna call you and let you know where it's gonna be, but it's gonna be the best Korean barbecue in Dallas. Come on, somebody. Thank you. And I also heard that they wanted to kind of do a Sweet 16 bowling party thing-ish, so. We've got your pin stack bowling party pin covered. <laughs> yeah? Do we need to go up above pin stack or is pin stack all right? That's good. That's good. Pin stack is perfect. Come on, somebody. And so for your sweet 16, we've got your uh, your pin stack bowling party covered. And then for your family, we want to do that good bulgogi, yeah. kimchi, all that good stuff. As just a small way to see to say we see you and we appreciate you. Come on, show your love for Jewel, Alicia, and Ashley. Ashley, thank you guys so much. Thank you. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. Thank you. We appreciate you guys. You're welcome. And happy birthday to you. Can we give them a little happy birthday while they're exiting the stage? There it is. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. All right, so listen, that was totally unscripted in terms of uh, our programming, but it was something that was in my heart that I wanted to do, and Pastor Wendy and I talked about it, and uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to do that for such an amazing uh, uh, family of beautiful women of God. Uh, I call them the Incredibles because they've made it a family affair. Amen. Anybody else ready for the Word tonight? We're going to dive into the Word together, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, we kick off a brand new mini-sermon series, and this is intentional, it is deliberate, because I want to set our hearts and minds in alignment with this season that we're in as the body of Christ. You guys know on Sunday, April 17th, we'll be gathering corporately to celebrate Resurrection Sunday together, Uh, but not only that, We've been over the last several days as a body of believers uh, reading through a 40-day Lenten devotional. And I don't know about you, but I have been blessed immeasurably being reminded of all that Jesus experienced and embraced on his way to the cross. We've already been in this sort of season where we've been preparing our hearts and our minds for Easter. And as part of that preparation, we're going to do this three-part mini-series culminating uh, not on Easter, because I'm going to do a separate standalone message on Easter called Death (laughs) Defeated. Listen, I'm excited about it, but we'll wrap up the series on uh, April 24th, I believe that is, Sunday, April 24th, if I have my dates correct. Tonight is week one. Week one of our new sermon series that we're calling Person of Interest. If I had to choose a title for tonight's message, it would simply be this. Three words, Chalisa, marked by God. Listen, that's good news today. That's good news in this moment that you have been, that you are marked by God. That God sees you, that God knows you, and that God cares. And that God has a divine plan, he has a divine purpose, he has a divine assignment and an anointing to, ac- to accomplish that assignment upon your life. We want to acknowledge not only was Jesus a person of interest to the multitudes, a person of interest uh, to the the, the Roman powers, not only was he a person of interest to the Sadducees and and Pharisees and the multitudes that followed him, uh, we too are persons of interest to God. We are persons of interest to God. And the fact that you and I are persons of interest to God, consequently means that we have become persons of interest to the enemy over the next three weeks we're gonna unpack these three things number one we're gonna talk about Jesus as a person of interest we're gonna talk about the believer as a person of interest not only to God but also to the adversary because. Satan hates God and he hates everything that God loves. And that's you. And that's me. What it also means that if there is an adversary out there, if there is an enemy who has arraigned himself against me, Satan too then must become a person of interest to me. Because the scripture declares that we ought not be ignorant of the devil's devices the scripture declares that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack what it looks like for Jesus to be a person of interest, not just to the multitudes, not just to the Pharisees and Sadducees, but he was also a person of interest to the enemy. Y'all, y'all, are y'all tracking with me? we're going to unpack that so here we go we're going to start this three part series talking about you as a person of interest and i believe what god wants us to do is he wants to stir he wants us to stir in our hearts the sense of how valuable valuable we are and how much we matter to him I want us to catch a glimpse of that. In fact, the psalmist said it this way, when I consider the heavens and all that you have created, what is man that you are mindful of him? The psalmist was reminding us that we are persons of interest to God. He is mindful of you. When you read Psalm 139, it's a reminder again. That you and I are persons of interest. He said, if I I go to the highest heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the deepest pits, you are there. He said, even before one word is formed upon my lips, he knows it all together. That's a God who loves you and has embraced you as a person of interest, as the apple of his eye. And so what should that mean when we understand that we are loved by God, pursued by God? called by God, chosen by God. That's the gate and the posture and the confidence God wants you to walk in and live with. You are a person of interest to God. Now to give context to what we're talking about, let me define in very simple terms what it means to be a person of interest. Uh, Probably about a year ago I was, Traveling and it was a really long flight and I forget whether it was overseas or somewhere on the east coast or west coast and They had the television series. It's a CBS show called person of interest and uh, As one of the in-flight entertainment options, so I selected uh, person of interest and I think I was able to watch about four episodes before I crashed come on somebody if y'all don't know, don't know about your pastor, if I'm traveling for a long time, I pack some melatonin, right? And I pop some melatonin when I start the flight, and a few hours or about an hour and a half into the flight, I am knocked out, especially if I'm traveling overnight. But I started to watch Person of Interest, and it's a show about this multi-billionaire who develops this software that can anticipate crimes before they happen. And he uh, enlists the assistance of a guy played by Jim Caviezel, who is a former uh, uh, elite special forces operative. And so together, using this software that he has created, they prevent crimes that are about to happen. Person of interest. So every, every episode, it tells you about another person of interest and who's after them. But in real time and in real life, This idea and this label and this designation, person of interest, is a very real thing. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background and then I'm going to dive into the message. Are you all ready? So a person of interest is a term that's used by law enforcement in the United States, in Canada, and other countries when identifying someone who is possibly involved in a criminal investigation who has not been arrested or formally accused of a crime. So a person of interest is not somebody who has been charged or arrested, but law enforcement thinks that there may be a possible connection between this individual and a crime that was committed. Notice, person of interest has no legal meaning. So it's not a legal term. However, it refers to someone in whom the police are interested, either because the person is cooperating with the investigation because they may have information that would assist the investigation. And here it is, here is the premise for this series. I don't want you to miss this, you gotta write it down, you gotta memorize it, put it somewhere, because this part of the definition of a person of interest is the foundation of what we'll be communicating over the next three weeks. A person of interest is someone who possesses certain characteristics that merit further attention. You know what that means? It means that you and I carry, bear in us certain characteristics that merit further attention. There are giftings in you, there are callings that God has has designed and purposed for you that merit further attention. They merit further attention from us personally so that we understand what we're carrying that we carry these treasure in earthen vessels. It has also merited further attention from the adversary because it is his intention to sabotage what God wants to do in and through you to abort the assignment of God upon your life. And you are a person of interest this morning because you carry certain characteristics that merit further attention even from God. Are y'all with me? Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, the phrase "person of interest" kind of has a somewhat sinister uh, origin, Because in the 1960s, the FBI began to compile dossiers on people who were Vietnam, who were protesting the Vietnam War and those who were civil rights leaders. And that's where the word "person of interest" first emerged. As they were compiling these dossiers, these folders, collecting information and intelligence about people who were protesting the Vietnam War, civil rights leaders, and others that they considered threats to the peace and security of the U.S., they became persons of interest. Now, uh, the, the title wasn't commonly utilized until about 1986 when... Uh, Faye Brooks, who was a member of the King County Sheriff Department, used that phrase during the Green River Killer investigation. It was made even more popular. I don't know if you guys remember John Ashcroft. He was the, uh, 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 um, oh, Justice Department. Attorney General, Attorney General yes, John Ashcroft. And in 2001, he used that title or that label uh, for Dr. Steve Hatfield, who was a person of interest in the investigation of anthrax. Remember when there was a threat of anthrax, that they were mailing anthrax to different places? Well, when Dr. Steve uh, Hatfield was included in the investigation, John Ashcroft designated Dr. Hatfield as a person of interest interest in 2001, but in 1996, and I was tempted to bring this piece of memorabilia because y'all don't know this, but in 1996 during the Atlanta Olympics, uh, Pastor Wendy was a security guard and she still has, she still has her 1996 uh, security guard shirt, right? With the emblem on the, and so she was there when this happened. But this is one of the the first, one of the earliest and most notable persons of interest. In 1996 at the Atlanta Olympics bombing, it was used as a reference to identify Richard Jewell. And so this is sort of the origin of this idea of what it means to be a person of interest. And like I said, over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack what that looks like. Tonight, we're going to start with the fact that you are a person of interest to God, and as a consequence, you are a person of interest to the adversary. Let's start with the adversary first. Can we start there? I think we've already established that number one, Satan hates God, and not only does he hate God. He hates and despises everything that God loves. And that's why John chapter 10 and verse 10 is so critical because we see that you and I are persons of interest both to Satan and to God. So John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, the thief, speaking of Satan, only comes to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So here it is. He hates God. He hates everything God loves. But here's another reason. Here's another reason you and I are persons of interest to Satan. Y'all ready for this? Remember we said persons of interest carry certain characteristics that merit further attention. Let me tell you what it is about your life that merits further attention from the adversary. He knows your proclivity and your propensity and your capacity to commit the crime. Don't miss that now. He knows that within your nature is a disposition that wants to commit the crime. And you have become a person of interest to him because he knows that if he can stay with you long enough, if he can pursue you hard enough, if he can entice you just enough, Mm -hmm. he will cause you to make bad decisions that will short circuit the plan of God and the purpose of God on your life. I was at the barber today. This is what he asked me. He said, do you think that God... Uh, punishes people? I said, man, that's a loaded question. I don't have time to go into all the theology of it, but a lot of times, what people call the punishment and judgment of God is just consequences for their sin. I said, you could go down to the store and rob that store right now and cry out to God for mercy. He'll forgive you. But you might do time. Those are the consequences for your sin. So God didn't judge you. You're just paying the price for a bad choice. Are y'all with me? The enemy sees each of us as persons of interest because he already knows our proclivity to commit the crime. So he said, you know what? I'm going to help him a little bit. And I'm going to do everything in my power, everything within my power to make sure that he sabotages the assignment that God has on his life. Because every time you and I miss the mark, the kingdom of darkness wins. They put another point on the board. So, Pastor, what are you talking about? And this is why it's so important to Lisa for us to understand this. If we don't understand how valuable we are to God and how important we are to God's plan and what God wants to do in the earth, we will miss, we will miss most of what happens in our life. And we will not understand our lives in the context of war. We are at war whether you understand it, believe it or not. There's a God who wants to see you win. There's an adversary who wants to see you lose. Guess what? You cast the deciding vote. And if you and I don't renew our minds to the word of God, we will recycle our mistakes. This ain't no child's play. This ain't no child's play. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the enemy has already identified you as a person of interest. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 to Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Talking about being marked by God. Remember Abel's prayer yeah. or Cain's prayer? Who killed who? I always forget it. Cain, Cain killed Abel. Yeah. Remember Cain's prayer? He asked God to put a mark on him so that those outside wouldn't harm him. And God marked him. Why? Because Cain was a person of interest. Because the enemy knew his propensity to commit the crime. That it wouldn't start and end with killing his brother Abel. And so God marked him to protect him. Are right, you listening to what I'm saying? We wonder why we have certain patterns in our lives. Where we have certain problems. Why we have certain addictions and habits and, and, and uh, 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 routines and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just think there's something wrong with me. When we don't, because we don't recognize that it goes. it's much bigger than that. There are forces at work against you and against me. From the day, let me put it this way. Let me tell you how important you are. From the day you were born, you became a person of interest to the enemy. You were likewise a person of interest to God. Remember Jeremiah chapter one, when God appears to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, before, not even when you were born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He said, Jeremiah, even before you were born, you were a person of interest to me. And guess what Jeremiah's response was? I said, Lord, I'm only, a, I'm only a youth. And you know what the enemy used to undermine Jeremiah's ministry? A lot of times it was how Jeremiah saw himself. As inadequate. As not enough. Even to the point where he battled with Depression. And that's why he's referred to as the weeping prophet. Because the enemy was using that against him. Because he knew that to God, Jeremiah was a person of interest. And God would use him prophetically. I'm talking about you. To begin to recognize that you ain't just you. I mean, you're you, right? But you're so much more than just you. You are an instrument in the hand of God. And God has carved out a specific part of his plan that only you can fulfill. Are y'all with me? So playing small. I want you to hear this converge. Playing small does not serve anybody. In fact, you know what that is? That's false humility. Yeah. And you know what false humility is? False humility is pride. Yeah. Humility is agreeing with what God said about you. Yeah, that's right. So if God said, I created you, To be a prophet, I created you for greatness. I will bless you and make your name great. And you say, oh, poor little me. You know what you're saying? I know better than God. And at the root of that attitude is pride that cloaks itself, disguises itself as humility. But it's false humility, and God can't work with that. Biblical humility is agreeing with what God has said about you. And your playing small will not serve you or the world. You are marked by God. And because you're marked by God, the adversary is also in pursuit of you. Notice, um, yeesh, do I want to go there? I'll just read it for you. Let me tell you what it looks like to be a person of interest to the adversary. Anybody remember the book of Job? Anybody remember Job chapter one? Let me just read it for you. Hmm? Y'all ready for this? Okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. Job chapter one. I'll begin reading at verse 6. I'll just read verses 6 through 12. Notice what the scripture says. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, notice what he was doing. From going to and fro on earth. And from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan. Here it is. Have you considered my servant Job? You know what God was saying? God was saying Job is a person of interest to me. He is a person of interest to me. Because he carries certain characteristics. That require further investigation and examination. And what God saw in Job was a man of character and integrity. Are y'all with me? And so this conversation between God and the adversary ensues over the person of Job. Notice what the scripture says in verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? He said, you bragging on this guy, but listen now. There's a reason Job doing what he's doing. Uh, Job has an advantage. And verse 10 says, Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and you will surely, and he will surely curse you to your face. He's testing Job's character. He's saying, listen, Job does what Job does because life is good. The only reason this joker is serving you is because you've blessed him. The only reason he worships you and prays to you is because life is good. The only reason he's in this relationship with you is because you've given him good breaks. All his life. So Satan is telling God, don't, don't even, Job ain't all that. May I submit to you that most of the tests you and I will face in this life will come to test our character. It will come to test whether we really believe what we've always professed that we believed. Will our confession change with our circumstances? Or will God still be good before, during, and after your storm? Hmm? Because what we miss is we think. That somehow God changes with our circumstances. And we don't realize that sometimes life is hard, but God is still good. And so notice what the scripture says. Notice what the scripture says. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. You guys know what happened next an all-out full-court press assault on Job and his family, his house, his children, and his possessions. Because in that moment, he becomes a person of interest to the adversary. Now, what I love about the story, uh, we often quote Job's wife incompletely. And because we don't, quote everything she said we miss the root of what was really being tested when we talk about Job's wife what we often say is Job's wife said curse God and die you know the first part of that verse this is what Job's wife said are you still holding on to your integrity Why don't you curse God and die? What you were saying in effect was, Job, are you foolish? Look at everything we lost, and you still worship this God? Yeah, I still worship him. And that's why Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It was a test of Job's integrity and his character. Can God still be good in the bad times? or is my God only good when life is good? Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? The enemy comes after us, we become persons of interest to him because he understands our proclivity and our propensity to commit the crime and because he knows that it's within our sinful nature to do bad things, come on somebody, Somebody say Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. The enemy knows that. But there's good news. Are y'all with me? You're not only a person of interest to the enemy because he knows that you could commit the crime. You are a person of interest to God. Number one, because he loves you. Number two, let me get back to my notes and I'm about to wrap this thing up. Number two, number one, he loves you. Number two, here it is. He chose you and he called you. And he chose and he called you, not because you were perfect, but in spite of your imperfections. Listen, listen to me. God loved you and he loved me and he called you and he called me long before anybody had an opinion of me. I hope y'all heard that. God called me, he called me, he chose me long before anybody said a good or evil word about me. And that should be enough. That should be enough. God loves me. And not only does he love me, he called me. Listen, he knew about me on my worst day. And he still chose me. Do you think there's anything about your life that's a surprise to God? The bad decisions we make, the bad choices we make. Ha! I laughed at myself real good. Because I saw a meme from Michael Jr. He's a comedian. And this is what Michael Jr. said. He said, if you're a grown man and you have to point your toes when you're putting your jeans on, you're making bad choices. I'm like, why is Michael Jr. on my case? Because I do point my toes. Come on, somebody. When I put my jeans on, because that's the only way I get my feet through these leggings that I'm wearing. Come on, somebody. The enemy knows our proclivity for bad choices. Thank you. But in spite of our bad choices, y'all, God still called me. He still chose you. But unlike Satan, number three, I'm a person of interest to God because he understands my capacity to follow him. The enemy knows my propensity, my capacity to commit the crime. God knows my capacity to follow him. You say, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Listen to me. I want you to understand the kind of power that is at work in you to do good. In spite of the wrestling that you may have in your nature. This is what the scripture says. It says God, it is God, right? Who causes us both to will and to do according to his pleasure. You know what that verse means? It means that God is at work within me, number one, to will it, meaning I want to do God's will now. Now that I am in Christ, now that I'm born again, the spirit of God is at work in me not to go back to the old man, not to go back to the old ways, but because God lives in me by his spirit, he knows that number one, he's working in me to will it, that I want to please him. That I want to honor him. And he doesn't only stop with the will to do it. He says both to will and to do it. So I have become a person of interest to God. Because he knows what he has deposited in me. The willingness and the ability to do his will. So this is where I'm going to end. Because this is important for you to understand. This is important for you to understand. All right. All right. Number one, I recognize that I'm a person of interest, but what does that mean in very practical terms? What does that mean? Number one, you have to discover it. Discover it. Discover it. You have to discover, you have to acknowledge, you have to walk in this revelation that I am a person of interest. I matter to God. I'm valuable to God. God has made investments and deposits in me that are important to God's overall plan what he's called me to do what he's created me to do there it is he created you he chose you and he called you he didn't only call you but he commissioned you and you are a person of interest for those reasons so the first thing I got to do I have to recognize how God sees me created Chosen, called, commissioned. Hey, I don't have time to unpack that. But notice First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. That's the first part. I got to discover it. I'm going to read this verse, which is one of my life verses. It's one of the verses that has caught, kept me in the fight so many times when I wanted to throw in the towel. It's the verse that has sustained me because it has reminded me that the hand of the Lord is upon me and God ain't done yet. Yeah, that's right. I'm, on here. I'm going to read it to you from several translations because this is something you need to embrace for you. Because God is counting on you to complete a very specific assignment in his plan that only you can complete. He is a person of interest because, you know, listen, I love you. I called you, but I made some deposits in you so that you can both will it and do it. So notice what Paul said to his son Timothy. Are y'all with me? 1 yes. Yes. Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. I'll read first from the New King James. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Listen, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, You may wage the good warfare. He said, Pastor Reed, what are you talking about? Timothy, a lot like Jeremiah, would deal with insecurities. He was unsure of himself. Paul had invested in Timothy as his protege. And Paul had planted the church at Ephesus, which was a mega church in that day, and he put this young pastor in charge. Some believe that Timothy may have been around mid to late 20s, that he wasn't even 30 yet. And part of the insecurity came from the fact that in Jewish culture, you couldn't become a rabbi, a teacher of the law, until you were 30. That's why Jesus' earthly ministry started when he was 30. So here's this young man who may be less than 30 years old, pastoring a mega church And he's dealing with insecurities. That's why it wasn't enough for Paul to write one letter to him. Paul wrote a second letter to him. And in that second letter, he told Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. But what God has given you is a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 18, he's reminding Timothy. He says, war a good warfare. But how do you fight the war? You have to remind yourself of what was spoken over you. What was spoken concerning you so that by them you may wage a good warfare. You know what Paul was saying? It's like when you're in a season in your life, when your life looks absolutely nothing like what you planned, go back to what was declared over you prophetically. Because the promise of God may not be immediate, but it is inevitable. It will surely come to pass. I'm talking about those who are fighting with their sense of purpose. What, what, why on earth am I here? Timothy, Timothy dealt with the same thing. And Paul said the way you overcome that is you fight the war according to the prophecy you received according to what was spoken by God concerning you. Let me read this from a few other translations to help you. The New Living Translation. It says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. What's going to sustain you? It's what was spoken over you. Uh, Are you listening to what I'm saying? The message paraphrase. I'm passing this work on to you, my son Timothy. The prophetic word that was directed to you, listen, prepared us for this. Look at it. The prophetic word that was directed to you prepared us for this. The prophecy ain't just about what you're going to be doing next and how you're going to have this mega company or mega, no, 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 no. The prophetic word will prepare you for the hell that you're going through now. All those prayers are coming together now so that you will do this well. Are you listening to what we're saying? You're a person of interest because God has declared some things about you prophetically. And those those prophetic utterances will prepare, they prepared you for this, but all this stuff is coming together now so that you will do this thing well. Listen, fearless in your struggle, keeping a firm grip on your faith and on yourself. Paul was saying, Timothy, pull yourself together. There's stuff for you to do. Don't die on this mountain. Let me tell you what that mountain looked like for me. Every Saturday. I know what we do as a church. And you have to deal with empty seats. Listen to me. I know how me and Pastor Wendy and I minister. This stuff we minister ain't ABC123 and I have to wrestle every week. Yes, sir. What am I missing? Because mm. when I listen to the guy down the street, I'm like, he got 10,000 people coming to his church. <laughs> Come on, sir. Come
2: on.
1: When it seems like uh-huh. this thing ain't working. Paul said, war a good warfare. According to the prophecies that were spoken concerning you, that prophetic word was preparing you for this, for the dry seasons, for the wilderness seasons, so that you and I can keep a firm grip on ourselves and our faith. That's why you're a person of interest. You know why? That's why he said, I ain't going to leave you. I ain't going to forsake you. I'm with you yes. until what I said about you comes to, comes to pass. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Mm. But you, Ray Harmon, cast a deciding vote. Yeah. The enemy's already counted you out. Yes. God has counted you in. Yes. Which side you gonna pick? Oh, cool. You gonna throw in the towel here? Yeah. Oh, come on. on Saturday nights come on. at 5 p.m.? Because people didn't show up. And you know what I told you? Let God be true. And every man a liar. And y'all will remember this message. When what happens next happens. Because. God is able to do more. With Gideon's 300. Than Gideon thought. He could do with 30,000. God told him, send 29,700 of these people home. All I need is 300 to do what I'm about to do. Uh, let me read it to you from a couple more translations. <laughs> Timothy, this is the voice translation. Timothy, my dear child, I am placing before you a charge for the mission ahead. It is in total agreement with the prophecies once spoken over you. Here it is. With God's message stirring and directing you. Fight the good fight. Let me tell you what that looks like for for me and for Converge Church in 2022. With God's word stirring you. It looks like what I taught at the beginning of the year, Luke chapter 5. Master, we have toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. But he didn't just say, I will let down the net. He said, I will let down the net for a catch. Yes. Yes. It means in the place where I put down my net all night yes. and caught nothing. Yes. God, because you said so, because you said it, I'm going to let down my net again. Yes. And my expectation is when I pull this net yes. out this water, yes. there will be a net breaking, yes. boat sinking blessing. Because you said so. With God's message stirring and directing you, fight the good fight. Let me read the last verse to you. NIV, from the New International Version. Paul speaking again to his son Timothy in the faith, his son in the faith. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Here it is. So that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Yes. Jesse, what's going to cause you to fight the battle well? It's going to be what, when you recall yeah, what God spoke concerning yes. you. So discover it. I got to give this to y'all, and I know I'm over time, but I'm going to give this to y'all because I'm going to start a different message next week. So bear with me. Give me a few more minutes because God wants you Because you're marked by God, God wants you to live your life in 3D. Number one, you have to discover it. Mm -hmm. Then you have to develop it so that you can deploy it. I'll say that again. You have to discover it that I'm carrying something of value. You have to develop it because everything God gives us, he gives us in seed form. I'll say that again. Yeah. Most of us are waiting on God when God is waiting on us yeah. to develop and cultivate what he has given us. No, not yet. Too early for the Oscars music. <laughs> give, me more, give me two more. Give me a few more minutes. But that was good, though. You're good. You're good. That was good. Good. I mean, he's ready. Appreciate you guys. Just a couple minutes. Um, what, what, what was I saying? seed, 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 seed. You know, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs is Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, 23, I believe it is. You know what that verse says, Jesse? It says, much bread is in the fallow ground of the poor. You know what that means? It says the, 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 the fallow ground, the uncultivated ground that the poor man is sitting on is filled with much bread. What does that mean? All the bread the poor man wants is hidden in the ground that he hasn't cultivated. So when we say discover it, you have to know that you have a seed of greatness in you. But that seed is a seed. It must be nurtured. It must be cultivated. It must be nourished. So notice what Timothy, what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, therefore I remind you, to do what? To stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying hand on of hands. You know what I'm saying? He says, stir it up. He says, stir it up. Sometimes in our lives, what we need in order to take the seed from a seed to fruit that we bear is divine agitation. Something and someone has to stir it up because the greatness that is in you has been lying dormant. Maybe the frustration you're experiencing in your life is actually divine agitation that is forcing you to stir up the gift, to stir up the gift. I think it's the NIV that says, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame means the fire's about to go out. But fan it. And God said the seed's in you, you ain't doing nothing with it. You think you're waiting on me. I'm waiting on you to do something with what I have already given you. So discover it so you can develop it. And you develop it so that you can do what? Deploy it. Because the seed that you carry, the seed that you nurture is not to be self-serving. Everything that you have, everything that has been entrusted to you, everything that God has called you to steward is not for you to own, it's for you to manage well.
0: Yes. So good.
1: Good. i got to say this. Most of us think that God is just. I'm sorry, God is fair. But God ain't fair. God is just. That's what talking about. There are three men in Matthew chapter 25. He gave one guy how many talents? Y'all don't remember the story? Five. He gave another one what? He gave another one what? Is that one? Is that fair? That ain't fair, is it? But notice what happened. Right? The guy who had five took the five and did what? Yeah, Developed it. Yeah, hmm? Hmm? The guy who had the two talents did what? He discovered, he recognized what he had and developed it, deployed it, got two more. Discovered, developed, deployed. The one who had five discovered it, he developed it, he deployed it and got a return. So he started with five, ended with 10. Other one started with two, ended with four. The guy who had one talent, what did he do, y'all? He hid it. When God showed up, what did God do? This God who's supposed to be fair. Number one, why do not you give this guy five like everybody else? Why do not you give all of them five? No, no. God said, listen, I gave you one. You didn't do nothing with the one I gave you. So I will take the one that I gave you and give it to the guy who got ten. God, you're not fair. No, I'm not. I'm just. I expect a return on my investment. That's why you are a person of interest to me because if I give you one and you don't maximize it, you don't optimize it, the scripture says even what is given to you will be taken away. Come on, somebody. We don't like this because it sounds mean. The rich get richer. Poor get poorer. When we talk about the poor, we're talking about someone who will do nothing with what God has given them. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so God says, this guy, got, this guy has one. I'm going to take it from him and give it to the guy who already got ten. That ain't fair, God. No. God's not fair. God is just. He expects a return on his investment. So develop it. Final thing I'm going to say. Okay, you can play the music now, Daniel. You ain't mad at me, is he? Okay, well, give me some debt. Give me some debt. Good to have you, too. Appreciate y'all. All All right. Here's the last one. Y'all ready? Discover, develop, deploy it. Now, let me me tell you what it looked like for Timothy to deploy what God had entrusted to him. Y'all ready? The thing that Timothy was afraid of, the thing that Timothy was insecure about, y'all ready? It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Beginning at verse 2. Listen. There are multitudes waiting on the other side of your obedience. I want you to hear that. There are multitudes waiting on the other side of your obedience. And can I say this? You cannot accelerate with prayer what you have delayed with disobedience. You're not listening to me. You cannot accelerate with prayer. You cannot accelerate in prayer what you have delayed and what you are delaying with your disobedience. If God says do this and you don't do it, you can pray from now until kingdom come. Ain't nothing changing because God requires obedience. And that's why the scripture says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Most of us want to sacrifice our way into God's favor when God said, just do what I tell you. So this is what was on the other side of Timothy's obedience. We're about to wrap this up. We're about to wrap this up. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Look at verse two. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. How many of you realize that if you have to get ready when opportunity comes knocking, it's already too late? Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity because opportunities have a shelf life. And for those of us who squander opportunities, they are never lost. Someone else just takes advantage of them. Are y'all with me? If you're a blockbuster, and in the early 2000s, Netflix offers to sell their company to you for $52 million. And you pass up on that opportunity. And now Netflix is a multi-billion dollar corporation. And all, Net- all Blockbuster has is one store that's more of a museum. When they could have owned Netflix for $52 million dollars okay live ready be ready in season and out of season what was his assignment his assignment was to convince to rebuke to exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come and we're living in that time for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine people will not listen to the truth of god's word people will call what is evil good and they will call what is good evil But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears, notice, away. That means people who once believed this stuff will turn away. They will turn away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But here it is. Timothy, your assignment. Be watchful in all things. Here it is. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. That while you're going through your trouble, turn people back to me. Don't stop believing. And don't stop telling the world about me. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Finish the work that I've called you to. And don't stop short. I was talking to a friend of mine who is uh, a law enforcement agent, He works for the federal government. This is what he told me. He said, listen, whenever there's a person of interest, it starts with an interview, but it could become an interrogation. And every single day you and I live, man, life has a way of interviewing. Uh, I'd probably say interrogating us. But he said the important thing is whenever you're interviewed or interrogated as a person of interest, make sure you have a counselor. Yeah. You have the right to remain silent. The good news is the Bible says that you and I have an advocate with the right with God. Yeah. An advocate. A lawyer. Come on, and his name ain't Brian Longcar or Jim Adler. Come on, somebody. His name is JC. And I ain't talking about Johnny Cochran either. Come on, somebody. No, his name is Jesus. And in those times when you feel less than and not sure of yourself, know that you have an advocate. When life is interrogating you and you're interrogating yourself, remind yourself that you are a person of interest to God because of what he's deposited in you and make that commitment to discover it, to develop it so that you can deploy it. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Father, seal this word in our hearts. Seal this word in our hearts so that we will know how much we mean to you and how valuable we are to the kingdom of God that we are persons of interest to God. You're mindful of us. But there are others that want to keep us from becoming all that you've called us to be. God, would you help us now, according to Philippians 2, that we might both will and do according to your good pleasure. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Did that help anybody tonight? Amen. Listen, if you need someone to talk to, someone to pray with, if you just need someone to be there with you, be there for you and with you, uh, our team is here. We want to serve you. We want to love you. And we want to help you discover this Jesus who is a friend to you. Uh, Reach out to us via email. At echurch at weareconverged.com. That is echurch at weareconverged.com. Or you can contact us by phone at 469-422-0436. 469-422-0436. And someone from our team will be there to pray with you and to walk with you through whatever you might be dealing with. Um, Listen, make sure you save the date Sunday April 17th, Resurrection Sunday. We will be right here in the building, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Go ahead and get your Easter suit. Come on, we've got something planned for the whole family, family portraits, fun stuff for the kids. It's gonna be an amazing, amazing worship experience. Coquetzal, why don't you come? is gonna bless us out. Why don't you stand with us as Coquetzal comes?
2: Amen, amen. Were you blessed by the word today, Converge? Amen, a wonderful, wonderful word. Uh, it was just a pleasure to be here to experience it, um, and it's my pleasure to stand here and bless you up. with hands lifted up to heaven. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord make His countenance to fall upon you and give you peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we've got some information that we'd love to send you to help kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, please email us at echurch at If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely by visiting wwwwearconvergecom forward slash give or you can give via text by texting converge give along with the dollar amount that you'd like to donate to 77977. Also, you can find all this information on our mobile app. Simply search the app or the Play Store for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.